Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Luke Charles, and you're listening to a day of prayer's morning Bible study. Before we get into the word, promise, can you open us up in prayer? Yes. Lord, just thank you for today and just making a beautiful day and creating us so that we can worship you and giving us abilities like you and molding us inside of your image. And Lord, just thank you for creating a way where everybody can learn from you and come into you and not be left out and just saving the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' amen. name, amen. Thank you, Lord, for saving the world. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. This morning we're going to do something a little different. We're going to go over the same section of scripture as we did last time. And the reason being is uh, it builds off of, I'll say, what, how the Lord was leading yesterday, as mm-hmm. the Lord often does that, right? We were talking much about the why the church in Corinth were pursuing greater, the, were pursuing the gifts and earnestly desired the gifts. But then also it goes into the structure and the setup of our lives. And that's what Paul begins describing in this section of scripture, how we're to live it out, right? So with that being said, could I get a volunteer to reread from 1 Corinthians 14, verses 13 through 25, please? I will. All right, Kyla. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I shall pray with the spirit and I shall pray with the mind also. I shall sing with the spirit, and I shall sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you are given thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind, that I may instruct others also, rather than ten thousand words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be babes, but in your thinking be mature. And the law is written by men of strange tongues, and by the lips of strangers I will speak to these people, to this people, excuse me. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Am I stopping at verse 24? 25. Read through 25, please. Um, If therefore the whole church should assemble together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to an account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. Disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Amen. So, again, 
the reason we're being led to to go over this section of scripture again is it builds off of the two things that we discussed yesterday, right? One being why we're desiring the gifts, but then two, I'll say moving or operating in the gifts, how it looks or the structure for our lives. I know if you look at, at the word, uh, your Bibles, it's actually after this section of scripture is probably titled something to the effect of order in church meetings, right? But this is important because this first speaks to the order or structure in our lives, how to use the gifts, right? Yes. And, yes. and they should be used properly. And again, that's as the, the Holy Spirit leads, right? Saying what he says to say, doing what he says to do, right? They're, the gifts are for us, but as we, we discussed last time, it is for the edification of the church, not just for ourselves, but it does first begin with us, mm-hmm. right? We're a part of the church. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I had a sister in Christ who used to always say, for me first, but then for others. Yep, well, Everything so, that God blesses us with, gifts us with, whatever you want to say, yes, is for us. Always mm-hmm. for us first. Amen. But then for others. Mm-hmm. Paul says the same thing, right? He says, the teaching I give, yes, it's for everyone, but it's first to me. It first applies to me. So we know in Hebrews, right, he says this, we have so great a cloud of witnesses, right? So the gifts, again, is for others. Uh, they are first for us, but they're also for others to build up others, to encourage others, to edify others, to equip others. Mm-hmm. And they are to be displayed in public, right? Well, this is what Paul is discussing and describing here, how you structure and order your your life in public, right? No one receives the Lord or no one has a candle and hides it under a bushel. But we are the light of the world, right? That these things should be displayed openly. We are the light on uh, the city on the hill. It cannot be hidden. The the gifts of the the Holy Spirit and the and the gifts that the Holy Spirit uses in and through us, right? That He gifts to us in the moment that it's needed. They're yes, they're for us, but they're also for others. They're not to be hidden away. It's not just for your private time in your closet. Or how would the church be edified and equipped and built up if it was always hidden within our homes or the four walls of the church? This is for the public. And what Paul is discussing and describing here is a structure on how we are to move in these gifts mm-hmm. as the Holy Spirit leads, but also in, in order in a proper fashion in public. Mm-hmm. And it's important to, as we're looking at these scriptures, to remember that these are new creations in Christ. They, Amen. for them, and just like for us, they're coming into something that's new to them, something that's outside the normal way of functioning, and is necessary that we learn to be, I'll say kingdom-minded, but operatives of our heavenly home and abode, even though we've already been trained up in natural things. So understanding you cannot take the world's perspective and just stamp God on the top of it and go, it's blessed. But we have to have the the mind of Christ to be renewed and transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that way we prove out what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So he's talking to people who are operating in a newness that they haven't known before, while at the same time 
um, rebutting and rooting out ungodly practices and putting in and found, founding godly principles that helps us to walk as God would have us to walk because we are sojourners here in the earth. We are from heaven. That's our, that's our domain. That's where we belong when we return to our spiritual, solely spiritual state and we put off our natural flesh, the bodies that we live in now. So, you know, to me it's encouraging because they were in the same place that we are. We're new creations Mm -hmm. and learning to operate in a new system, in a new way. And what do we do with all these, you know, wonderful things that God is manifesting and doing in us? How do we handle them? How do we operate? How do we um, take care and appreciate what God is doing as well as not cause harm or danger to someone else through a lack of understanding or immaturity. Mm-hmm. Amen. So with that being said, I'm going to open the floor to everyone to share and speak what the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and, and ask any questions that you have. Right? The whole point of this is that we learn and grow together. In the Lord and the knowledge and the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord and the understanding of the Lord, but also in the things of Him and how we, I'll say, move and operate in Him. Okay? Yes. Who'd like to begin? I will. All right, LaCharles. I found it interesting where Paul is t- talking about always prophesying and how prophesying is going to be beneficial for the church. And Lois is showing that Paul is not here, is not talking about. You're going to do this, that, and something else on this day. Not literally saying, telling everybody their actions, but it's more so giving instruction on how to go about your life. The Lord was saying it's not just you're going to uh, drive down the street on Tuesday and meet a guy. It's not just prophesying like that, but it's also just listening to the Lord and just giving the message or teaching that he gives you. That is equivalent to prophesying. Prophesying does no good to anybody if you don't have the heart and understanding to know what's being told and what you're supposed to do in that stance and situation. Like Smith Wigglesworth, when he was told he was going to sit there and wait for a person to come right by, then jump in there. If he hadn't known what he was supposed to say to the man, it did him no good to sit there. He would have just kept sitting there over and over until eventually he decided to leave. Okay, well, well. When we walk with God, we work. We work in steps. Yes. So, it's there are times where God discloses a whole plan to us before we even start the journey, and there are other times where He says, "Go this far, and then once you complete this task, I will provide more instruction for you once you get there." So, it would have done Him every bit of good to go sit on the sit there, the bench or wherever He was sitting, to wait because God told Him to. And once he sat there, he should still ex- expect to hear from God next steps. Okay, Lord, what do I do from here? But it's for God to dictate and determine when he discloses information. Our job is to come to a place of maturity that we understand how he operates and that we give him the freedom and the capacity to be himself, to be God. And we are patient and we are steadfast and immovable and confident in him that he will be just that. He will be God, who he is. So if he had sat there and God had said nothing else to him at that point, that's what he should do. And when the man rode by, if that was the first time he had heard, jump on his cart and I will give you words to say, 
then jump on the cart. That would have been appropriate. He doesn't always, you know, it may not have been when Smith Wigglesworth woke up that morning that God said, go sit on the bench and the man's going to come by in the wagon. I want you to jump on his wagon. And when he tells you to get off, I want you to say no. And then I want you to preach the gospel to him and ride with him on the way home. He may not have said all that up front and he may not speak everything to us about the capacity of our journey because he wants us to walk by faith. Okay. Yes, Mom, I understood that's what I was happening, but I was okay. saying that Smith Wigglesworth um, didn't understand how to listen to God. Oh, okay. That's Yes, that's right. He should understand, and that's maturity, to understand how to listen to God and to be obedient, quickly obedient, not rashly obedient, but prompt and are saying yes to God and moving in the timing that he says to move in. Because don't you remember Jesus in Luke? Let's see. Let me said to his disciples about um, telling them how life was going to go for them, that they would be dragged before, you know, various um, governing bodies. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Maybe read that to me, honey? It says, Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Right. So not pre-planned or, you know, and that, that's just talking about fleshly um, trying to control it and figure everything out. But being okay that you're in safe in God's hands and when he tells you to do something, he's satisfied. He can govern the whole thing. That's trusting in the Lord with all our heart, right? Yes. Um, back to Pro- Proverbs chapter three, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean that on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's Proverbs three, five and six. So just making sure you, as we are trusting God, we mature and learn how God operates and we let him decide when he's going to use what method or the other, and we don't try to paint him into a corner or put him into a box to make him do things that we think he should do the way we think it should be done, but that he's God. Um, what else did you have to say, Charles? I'm sorry. It's okay, Molly. <laughs> and how we have to go through all the steps first and have a foundation for what the Lord's going to call you to do. He doesn't just throw a toddler and tell him to go preach to people. In different countries but he gives you the steps and goes through life that's mm-hmm. why we have you and dad mm-hmm. we're not snakes we don't slither away that's and right. just know everything as soon as we come out but we have to be taught and had to go through the steps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the equipping that that's one of the jobs of parents is to equip their children to live a life that pleases the lord to serve god and to function in the natural world you're, you're you become equipped to do that um, and I, I do mean that our first, our first objective as parents is to teach you how to serve the Lord in spirit and in truth to worship yeah. him and live your life in a way that honors and glorifies God. And then to teach you how to function in the natural world around you. Absolutely. Yes, Which is yeah. what we also do as the, the fivefold ministry gift. That's what we're for yes. equipping of the body as we grow up and we come in as babes in Christ and growing up into full mature adults. Mm-hmm. That's why he has people that have been in bef- and I not just in the building, in you're saved, but you've been a your 50-year-old baby, but 
that have accomplished spiritual maturity that it doesn't have a timeline on it. It, it, There's no 10 years means you're spiritually matured. It does not. God is the one who stamps spiritually mature and uses those to help equip the others. Yes. The Lord qualifies who he chooses to qualify when he chooses to qualify them. Amen. Right. And Paul makes that distinction very clear in all but all his letters. He's constantly saying, I'm this, I'm an apostle by the will of God. But first and foremost, I'm a bondservant, right? Yes. Okay. He, he can acknowledge his place, the office that the Lord has given him. Because of the Lord said he was those things, not what man said. Right? Yes. Okay. So it was our role then, even in that, to hear from the Lord for ourselves and acknowledge what the Lord said. Right? Does he confirm that? Does his spirit, his Holy Spirit minister with our spirit that what this person is saying is true? Or is it contrary to that, in opposition? Well, that, again, comes with leaning, learning to let the Holy Spirit lead and leaning on the Holy Spirit to give us and minister to us, speak to us about that specific thing. And, and to your your point that you were making there, sir. You you are, even though you are growing and maturing, the Lord can and still and is using you, right? Yes. Okay, e- each of you. All that choose to be used, right? Yes. Okay, is he not using you now to minister and speak to people even through this podcast? Yes. Absolutely, he sure is. And, and each of you. And... You have also been used in other ways, in in numerous other ways, in various capacities. Again, as the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, has led. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I want to point this this out here, right? As we were talking, um, Paul addresses tongues first, right? Yes. And he says... In verse 13, he gives us, he begins laying down, I'll say, a foundation, a structure. Let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Right? And then he gives the why in verse 14. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But there is no understanding. In other words, it's not in his natural language. One that he understands. His spirit understands. His spirit is built up. His spirit is edified. But he, in the natural has no real clue or knowledge of what is happening. So the Spirit, when we come into Christ, so you you don't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit without first being saved. And when we are saved, our spirit is made alive. So the, the Spirit is inherently, it wants to do what God wants to do. It's not contaminated and defiled by things of the mm. world. But we are a spirit. We have a soul, which consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. So while our spirit is praying in that verse you were talking about, the spirit is communicating directly with God, and it's perfect in its prayer and because it's directly connected and alive to God now. But you still have that mind, will, and emotions in your soul that needs to be renewed. And there is an, and you also have the physical body. Mm-hmm. that it's important that the body hears, that the soul is incorporated. And God talks about agreement with 
with us in prayer, um, but there also has to be agreement within our being Mm -hmm. for us to be able to effectively carry things out. So while the spirit is going, hallelujah, the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions needs to be able to cooperate in the plan of God as well. It needs to be able to go, oh, I heard what God said too. Okay, I'm going to get in line with that. And even within our being, and then you know, our body goes about doing what it is directed by our, our internal man. Even in our being, there must be agreement for us to have the fullness of God working in us. Just, that's just how it is. God made us to have agreement. You have something you want to say, honey? Well, Paul addresses that um, in First Thessalonians 5, uh, 23. begins in 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it, or who also will do it. Excuse me. Amen. Just that, that whole, uh, if you will, the tapestry. Everything, entire being, spirit, soul, and body in alignment. Mm-hmm. Right? Um isn't that exactly what the Lord says in the, in the first and greatest commandment? Right? You'll love the Lord, your God, with all your what? Heart, soul, strength, and might. Exactly. Mind, heart, body, soul, and strength, depending on the translation. Right? And where in Scripture you find it. But when you put it all together, that's what it is. Which are all the different parts. Spirit, soul, and body. And everything within your being. So... Only the Lord can do that. But he brings this alignment is, is what we're getting at, where the body in its entirety is functioning. And we talked about that with talking about the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And there are different systems, if you will, right? There's the skeletal system. There's a central nervous system, right? And all these different parts, but they all have to be in alignment, working together, functioning together. And you can see that same concept here. So he's, he's building off it, but then also um, bringing it to the next step, mm-hmm. a deeper level of knowledge and a deeper level of understanding for the, for the rest of us that we can grow and mature in that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that? Let me think. Verse 16, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. It says, otherwise, this is um, 1 Corinthians 14, 16. Otherwise, if you, bless, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? And in Matthew chapter 18, the Lord is talking to them about prayer. Uh, he's going through a couple of things with them. But then in verses 18 and 19, he comes down to um, praying. And he says, assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my, together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So even in this, Paul is still operating and teaching them how to function. God is a God of agreement. He is not a God of confusion or dissension within his body. There has to be agreement. And so even this, he's bringing, when the church comes together, because God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, but he's still 
honoring and inserting and filling up and or pouring in the thought and the the truth of God that there must be agreement in the body of Christ. Even if you have an outsider coming in, inviting them in so that the power of God can be at its fullest and can be um, the prayers of the saints will be heard and answers um, to their prayers will manifest because God is saying already here in Matthew chapter 18 that when we are in agreement, right? So even from believer to believer, you may have the Holy Spirit and so do I, but I'm praying in tongues, delivering you a message. I'm going, hi, Kyla. And you're like looking at me like, okay, well, unless the Holy Spirit is ministering to you the interpretation, now you and I can't agree. But in order for us to join in on, in our faith together, there has to be agreement. So I I love the, the manifold wisdom of God and the multiple layers of what um, Paul is teaching and how you mentioned earlier um, previously, Dean, that our God is the same God, and he is the same God from day one, and his word is truth from day one as it is today, however many there are ever going to be, because he's numbered them all. And his word always comes back, and it connects with, it, with itself. His word is always connecting, and it always upholds itself and points us to Jesus Christ, points us back to him being the head and our Lord and Savior. So I just appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then in this, right, Paul also, just like he does with everything else, when you get to verse 21, right, he's, he references the Old Testament and says, hey, this is already written, the tongues were going to happen, right? So he lays it out like, like he does with everything. It's a court case, you know, very um, educationally, right? If you were to look at acad- or academically, that's probably a better way to phrase that, Right. So he lays it out. Here it is. And it was written about this. And, and you can find the full version in Isaiah 28, 9 through 11. That one specific verse is, you know, verse 21, references Isaiah 28, 11. But the full portion there is, is verses, there's Isaiah 28, 9 through 11. And again, it talks about all those same things, maturity, and it asks questions about maturity, but then also states very plainly in verse 10 that it's still building upon the word, line upon line, precept upon precept, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in other words, nothing's going to pass. Not one jot or tittle is going to to fall, right? But it will all come to pass. So, so Paul is referencing that as well. But then again, the order, the, the structure, how we structure our lives, right, is to be conducted in such a way that as a sign to the unbeliever, and if you we go back to Acts two, who was it that understood the message? It was the unbelievers, right? The unbelievers understood what was being said. But the unbelievers that had a, a heart had, exactly. You got to make the distinction. That had a willingness were, and a heart mm-hmm. to hear mm-hmm. what was being said, right? And, and you can see that in other places in Scripture, right? Where it's not so much tongues, but that there were. There are those, and um, I'll say the third time, that the Lord audibly spoke and confirmed his, who Jesus was, right? And some heard, just heard thunder, just heard peals of thunder. And there, but there were others that were willing to listen and that heard the voice of the Lord confirm who Jesus was for the third time. Mm-hmm. And, and I say the third time because the one was, uh, the first was with John the Baptist, right? 
Yes. yes. And, and he heard the voice saying, this is my uh, beloved son, right? Yes. And then it was heard again by um, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then it was heard publicly for those that wanted to listen. So you see the same thing here. Those that wanted to hear the word, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, heard it. And those that rejected it, that rebelled against it, that were stubborn and obstinate against the truth, they came up with excuses, saying that the people in Acts 2 were drunk. The mockers. The mockers, exactly. Mm-hmm. So Paul is, is giving a structure and a pattern that we can be wise with how we conduct and carry ourselves. And also to to test if, if what you're saying and hearing and how you're, you're operating is in fact being led by the Holy Spirit or not. Right? Yes. In other words, he's saying if, if there's not an interpretation, then stop. It's, it's not about just displaying the gift that you've been given so other people can say, oh, well, this person has this gift. He's saying the whole point and purpose of any of the gifts is to edify and build up the body of Christ. Yeah, I just um, was just sitting here thinking that um, we've, we've been trying to encourage the listeners to um, find a way that they may hear God's voice and obey it. <clears throat> and it just um, struck me, and I, I don't seek to prophesy <laughs> as I bring this, but it seems just a matter of fair reason that uh, quite a few of you out there listening um, have probably um, been given unction uh, to do something in regards to this ministry. Uh, first and foremost, as we, we seek to teach you to encourage, I would ask you to consider encouraging this ministry. Write an email to John or to Kamisha or one of the children and share with them how you've been encouraged. Encourage them back. It's important that we encourage each other, and it's not a one-way street. Um, we had a conversation a, a week or so ago about how uh, it just felt like um, it seems like society at large has become consumers instead of producers, right? Giving back, putting back in. So I just encourage you, if, if uh, the Holy Spirit's been... Um, nudging you, giving you unction, um, if you've been touched by this ministry, to reach out at a day of prayer at yahoo.com with an email and write uh, to this family and encourage them that they may continue to encourage others. And if the Holy Spirit's been encouraged you to support uh, this ministry with financial support, I would encourage you to do that. Um, nobody's looking for big fat checks or something, but just if, if God's leading you, then, uh, then take a moment and... Um, even do it now and be obedient to that. Um, you can always uh, find out more about the ministry at adayofprayer.com. And, um, dot org. Sorry, dot org, yes. It's all right, brother. But just encourage you to, to be an encouragement back to this ministry in whatever way the Holy Spirit's leading you. No matter how small it may seem to you in the moment, um, it would uh, certainly be a benefit. So just felt like I need to say that. Oh, well, thank you, Dean. And we would love to hear from you guys. Um, Amen. Certainly, it's a blessing when mm-hmm. we do and to hear from you. 
Mm-hmm. And I've said it before, but and if if this is not encouraging you, if you have suggestions in a way that it could be, we'd love to hear those suggestions because we're all trying to grow and mature ourselves, and we do that uh, sometimes with feedback from other believers. So absolutely, as the Lord is leading mm-hmm. uh, now in this moment, mm-hmm. take hold of that and be obedient. Yeah, do what the Lord asks you to do. That that's always where we stand. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you never have to be afraid because God will get the desire that he wants to accomplish and everybody will be blessed appropriately. That's one of the things that I love about the love of God is that it teaches us how to delve out the other kinds of love that we have, brotherly love, um, par- parental love, husband to wife, you know, spousal love. Um the love of God, if that's our foundation, then the other love coming out of us will be right. It'll be purified and it'll be accurate. And then when the Holy Spirit is guiding us, because the love of God goes hand in hand with the Holy Spirit guiding us, it'll be perfect. And whether it seems harsh to you or not, God is my father. God is our father. So I want to hear what he has to say. And that's good. That's good for me. That's good for us to just do what God wants us to do, and he is accountable for the outcome. He's responsible for the results. Amen. Well, there's a lot there, so let's pause there for today. And with that, can I get a volunteer to close out in prayer, please? I will. All right, LaCharles. Lord, I just thank you for today, and I just thank you for your unending grace and mercy, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for giving us the opportunity to extend that same grace and mercy to others who may have done us wrong, Lord. Lord, I also just thank you for just giving us your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that way we can make the right decision, Lord, and just giving us the understanding and the equipment to work out the problem, Lord, as you will have us work it out, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.